Hello, this is Patty Davis. I'm a psychic medium and intuitive, and I'm coming to you from Humboldt County, which is in Northern California, where the redwood trees meet the ocean. Aloha, my name is Jude Lynch, and I am a psychic intuitive energy healer, hailing from the island of Kauai, the garden island of the Hawaiian island chains. Welcome to Spirit Speakers Podcast, where we meet to discuss a variety of topics from two different psychic vantage points. Aloha, this is Jude, and today Patty and I are going to be sharing some of our favorite ghost stories. We've come to a point in time in the year where we are landing right between the fall equinox and the winter solstice, and it is said in multiple cultures around the world that this is a time that portals between dimensions open up. There are many rituals and celebrations that are taking place This is done in Mexico with the celebrations of Dia de los Muertos, which is the Day of the Dead, where people put up ofrendas, offerings to their loved ones who have passed to invite them in to celebrate with them. In the States, we celebrate Halloween, which also has a ghostly influence. Halloween actually originated from a Gaelic holiday called Samhain, where they were celebrating the end of harvest and the opening of portals. It is still celebrated today by people of the Wiccan community, and a lot of the customs and traditions are in interacting and making offerings and playing between those dimensions. So in celebration of that, Patty and I are going to share some of our favorite ghostly stories. So to start us off, Patty, I'm going to hand this over to you to one of your ghostly encounters. Take it away. All right. Thank you, Jude. I have to admit that I am not a big fan of the fall. I am definitely a solar-powered person. However, I love Halloween. And there's just so much magic flying in the air in the month of October. And there's so many mystical things happening and so many ways to connect spiritually with other dimensions that it's just a super fun time for me. And I hope you all take advantage of that. Before I start my story, I would just like to add a little bit of a disclaimer that this story does involve harvesting animal parts for sacred use. And however, the animal was already dead. And I myself am a vegetarian and had a really hard time with this. So I wanted to warn you all a little bit, but it is a magical story. So there's a little bit of a backstory to start here. I had a client that I went to do a reading for, and she had a bird in her freezer that she had found dead on the side of the road and had harvested the wings from it. And she was showing it to me, and it was just beautiful to be able to hold this bird and look at it so closely and pet it and really examine its wings. It was just an amazing thing. So that's how this all started. And about four or five months after that, I was driving down the road and Spirit clearly said out loud, Patty, we're bringing you a blackbird. Can you handle it? And I have an amazing collection of feathers and I'm gifted feathers a lot. And I thought, oh, they're going to bring me a blackbird that's going to hang around at my house and leave me some feathers. Sure, that sounds wonderful. So I was all in. And the very next day, I was driving down the road with a friend of mine, and I said, you know what, let's go take the side street just for fun. And we pulled off in the side street, and there in the middle of the road was this huge blackbird that had been hit by a car that was clearly deceased. And I pulled over and I told her, so this is going to sound weird, but Spirit just told me yesterday, we're bringing you a blackbird, can you handle it? And she said, well, that's really weird, what are you going to do? 
So I got out of the car and I gently moved this bird out of the roadway and its partner was flying in circles above it and it had just started to rain and it was really sad and eerie. And I got back in the car with her and I said, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't know what that message meant. And we sat there for a while and the partner that was flying around its mate finally just took off and flew off into oblivion. And when I could see it no longer, I said, okay, I'm just going to go out and I'm going to ask for a sign if there's something more I'm supposed to do here. So I went out and I sat with the bird and I asked if I was supposed to do something else for it. I bent over and straightened it out just ever so slightly. It was laying a little crooked. And as I did that, I must have hit a nerve or something. One of its wings just opened up as far as it could. And I thought, okay, I got it. And I went back and told my friend, I'm bringing the bird with me. And she's like, what the hell, Patty? And I said, I know, I know. So I collected this bird and I dropped my friend off and brought it home. And as I was driving home, I had remembered my client that had that bird in the freezer. And I called her and she answered her phone and I told her what had happened. And she said, Patty, I'm two houses away from you. I was here picking something up from a friend. And just then she pulled into my driveway. And this person lives on the other side of town from me. And so she came in and together we did a ritual and a blessing of this bird and we harvested its wings. And I had an extremely hard time. I was sobbing and gagging and praying and talking to this bird. And we harvested the wings and we put them in a solution so that they would dry properly. And I called Jude and kind of cried to Jude and Jude calmed me down a little bit. And these wings ended up being gorgeous. And at the time I was dealing a lot with kind of facing my darker side and tapping into the dark. And here I ended up with a set of the most beautiful black wings that you've ever seen. And then almost exactly a year later, I was driving down the road and we have a lot of a particular species of big, beautiful white bird in our area. And I said out loud to Spirit, hey, I've been asking for a feather from this bird. When are you going to bring it to me? And clear as day, Spirit said, how about if we bring you the entire bird? And instead of saying, ha ha, I kind of said, uh-oh. And sure enough, about three exits later down the freeway, someone hit one of those birds and kept going. And I pulled over and collected this bird. And again, I took it home, and this time I harvested the wings myself and had a beautiful ritual and buried the bird and said a lot of words of thankfulness and gratitude. Now I have a huge set of beautiful black wings and a huge set of beautiful white wings that I use in ceremony. And for me, my animal totem is a big giant eagle. And being able to utilize this bird magic in a way that I haven't before, and especially being someone that doesn't even eat meat and getting used to utilizing the spirit of an animal has been a really interesting process, but really magical. So that is my ghost story, Jude. <laughs> awesome, Patty. And if I recall, I actually found a same situation, a bird on the side of the road, the same time you found that first one. And I had called you up and figured out how to save its pieces. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It happened to us both at the same time. It totally happened at the same time. And for me, the bird I found was representative of me stepping more into that light spectrum while you were stepping into that shadow. And I felt like we were eclipsing each other energetically right at that point in time. But Patty and I often have a lot of serendipitous things happen. Like when she's going through something and she hits me up, I'm like, that's exactly what's going on with me and vice versa. 
Yeah, there have been times when I've had a ghost on my front porch and I'll call Jude and she'll say, Patty, there's a ghost on my front porch before I even tell her about my ghost. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or I'll be like, I had a client today and I saw this on their energy. And she's like, I had a client today and I saw the exact same thing on my client, you know? So it's pretty far out. So my stories, I have a feeling are probably not as light and fun and <laughs> whimsical as Patty's. <laughs> I don't think the dead birds is whimsical, but anyway. <laughs> well, I guess the first story that I want to share is the first time that I got physically attacked by a ghost. It's not as intense as it initially seems, but the story goes as this. I was 21 years old and me and my partner at the time rented this cabin down in the Santa Cruz, California area. And I definitively remember when the realtor had brought us through the front door, I felt this massive rush of energy come at me right at the door. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, is that a spirit? But my naive sensibility completely talked it away. I didn't have enough firsthand ghostly encounters to know for sure that that was a spirit. Had that happened today, I wouldn't have denied it. So what happens over the course of the next six months I was pregnant and waiting to give birth to my first daughter. And every so often in the first few months that I was there, we would be sitting in the living room watching TV or just hanging out. And I would see this pale yellow orb fly through the living room. Sometimes the orb would catch my attention by buzzing right on my shoulder and it felt like being lightly electrocuted. So it would catch my attention and I would see this flash of this yellow white light on the side of my cheek and I would turn towards it, spooked out, and then I would see it fly through the living room and into the kitchen. It was so bright and so noticeable. I would look to my partner, did you just see that, you know? And he would be like, nope, I don't see anything and would immediately go into this, you're pregnant it's probably hormones or something. And so this orb of light was something that I was feeling and seeing very commonly in the first few months that we were living in this house. And as I got closer to giving birth, the activity slowed down, but I was never definitively sure what it was that was happening. We had an extra bedroom and we had a friend that needed a place to stay. And so we allowed them to move in. And as soon as they moved into that extra bedroom, that orb and the activity started firing up again. I started seeing it. I remember one time there were four of us in the living room. And once again, I felt that buzzing on the side of my body. And I looked over and I saw this orb fly through the living room and nobody else saw it. When nobody else is seeing something, it makes you question everything outside of the fact that it was so clear and so obvious to me what was happening. It was astounding to me that nobody else could see it. At the time, I didn't understand that I just happened to have the ability to see into dimensions that other people around me didn't. So jump ahead. I have now given birth to my daughter. She was probably about three months old. Me and my partner were in the house. I went into my bedroom and I was looking in the mirror that was hanging behind the door. And as I was looking in the mirror, I felt that same vibration as I've felt many times before in the house, except as I was looking in the mirror, my actual physical body started morphing. So not only could I feel the energy, but the energy itself that was moving through me was making my physical body look like it was turning into something else in the mirror, which obviously scared me to death. 
So I open up the door and I run out into the hallway and I catch my breath and I'm like, whoa, what was that? That was so spooky. I had felt that orb thing in the house many times, but that was the first time I actually was looking in the mirror. And so my curiosity got the best of me and I opened up the bedroom door and there I saw that golden yellow orb of light bouncing off the walls, off one wall, the next wall, the next wall, to the ceiling, to the floor, and off the wall again. And it crisscrossed to the room going faster and faster and faster. And I was so stunned by what I was seeing because normally I'd seen this orb fly through a room very quickly. And now I'm seeing it bounce off each wall and the ceiling and the floor. And then it starts spiraling, turning in circles in the middle of the room, and then leaps up about my face and pushes me back with this energetic force. I mean, not that it slammed me back against the wall, but it pushed me back with enough force that I fell back and like hit my back against the back of the wall. But before I fell back, it was pushing against me and my inclination was to push back to keep my balance. For what felt like a long minute, this energy pushing, pushing, pushing through me until I had to give up fighting it and it eventually pushed me back up against the back of the hallway. At the same time, my partner was sitting on the couch in the living room adjacent to the hallway and could see me. And he starts yelling, Jude, Jude, what are you looking at? What are you looking at? After this thing passes through me, I look over at him, white as a ghost, and having told him over a dozen times at this point that I had seen an orb, I don't know really how to tell him. I just saw one bouncing around the room and smash me in the face. And I looked at him and I was like, I think there was something in there. And he's like, I saw it. And I looked at him all wide-eyed like, you saw it? I was like, what did you see? He said, you were standing there and I saw these two flashes of white light go up at an angle from either side of your face. And then the two beams smashed together and turned into a white yellow ball of light and flew through the hallway, cut a clear left through the living room and then went out the kitchen door. And he saw this from the couch. And I remember in that moment being so relieved that somebody finally saw this thing and not telling me I was crazy, I was hormonal, I was pregnant or whatever, exactly to the person that I had been telling this to that had been making me try to deny that I was even seeing it. And he himself saw it attack me. So no joke, but right then the phone rings. (laughs) That was back when we had the wall phones and they were super loud. And so we get startled and we jump and he ends up going to answer the phone And in the meantime, I go back into the living room and the spirit comes back into the living room. And this time I can see its full embodiment. And my theory is in hindsight, looking back that because this entity passed through me, it had somehow recalibrated my energy and my frequency to be in sync with it. Because this was the first time I had ever seen a spirit with that much clarity and that much physicality. Not only that, but I could also hear very clearly what it was saying, like totally audio loud. And it was this man who looked like he was about 60 years old. He had a red and black plaid shirt on and blue jeans. And he was stomping around in the living room, cussing and swearing, saying, this is my house. What the hell are y'all doing in here? Get the hell out of my house. Over and over and over again. He was pissed off. 
And I was sitting there freaked out. I couldn't believe what I was seeing and hearing. And yet everything completely made sense from the moment that I had even first walked into that cabin. And of course, my partner had walked back in from talking on the phone and sat down on the couch. And though I am seeing and hearing this man stomping around the living room, he no longer has any awareness that this person is there. I will admit that there was this strong inclination for me at the time to help this man, but he is what I have mentioned in earlier podcasts, caught in a loop, that he did not understand. He was in a state of confusion, and all he knew was that this was his house, and he could not understand why there were other people in his home. This cloud of confusion that was around him when he was speaking, it was like he couldn't complete more than one sentence of a thought before he would loop back into the same thing over again. What are you doing here? This is my house. Get out of my house. After I saw him stomp around the house for a bit, and eventually he kind of went and hid into the spare bedroom because my roommate at the time was not home. So I realized all the activity I was experiencing when we first moved into the house After a while, he was probably hiding in the spare bedroom and everything died down. And then when the roommate had moved in, the activity started up again. And after that, I was so paranoid. I didn't feel comfortable taking a shower, getting undressed, doing anything. So I always felt and knew that there was this man there, even though I wasn't fully aware of his presence to that level beyond that night. And I think we moved out of that cabin within the next two or three months. This was at the very beginning stages of me learning to be a spirit medium and I didn't know how to help him. And I often to this day think back at that cabin. I wonder if he's still there. Wow, that's trippy. I had a client that was seeing a lot of orbs and came in and was talking to me about that. And one night she sent me a photo of it and she had taken a photo of these orbs kind of flying around her living room. And I took the picture and I started editing it and blowing it up. And within that orb, I could see clearly this face as I would describe as an alien fairy looking face. And I texted her back and I said, if you had to describe what you think they are, what would you say? And she said, well, I've seen this one person's spiritual art and it looks somewhat like an alien fairy. And that's what I think it is. And that was super trippy. So Orbs are so interesting and interesting that this spirit showed up as an orb before it showed up as a man. Right. I've actually experienced spirits both as orbs and in more physical embodiments. I think I used to see orbs more often when I was younger and I wasn't as fine-tuned to seeing spirit as I am now. So I think a lot of the times when people are seeing orbs, they could be varying degrees of entity energies. And I think the quality of the color and the vibrancy of the orb tells you a lot about what kind of dimensional being that you're dealing with. So though that orb energy was white and gold, it was kind of like a foggy white and gold. It wasn't like that crisp, bright white and gold. Yeah, it's interesting the way ghosts will show up. My bedroom is in the back bedroom. And from where I could sit, I was seeing a ghost walk through my sunroom. And to me, I would say it was more than a shadow. The first time I saw it, I was home alone. And I actually got my baseball bat out from under the bed and went out to make sure nobody was in my house. But it just seemed to walk through. And I'd been trying to contact it, but I didn't feel threatened. So I let it go for a while. And one night, my daughter was sitting in bed with me. And she said, Mom, did you just see that? And I said, yep, it's okay. It's been here a while. And she saw it too. And it was the first time, just like you said, your partner saw that ghost, that somebody in my family had seen something as well. And my husband, who considers himself an atheist, which is really funny considering he's married to me, 
we were telling him about it and he got a funny look on his face and he said, yep, that's the one that's in the sunroom and Patty, you need to get rid of it. So he had seen it as well. (laughs) Interesting. (laughs) And it is refreshing when someone else sees it. Right. But yeah. Okay. So, well, I have a story. This happened when I was teaching at a retreat in Hawaii on Maui with a friend of mine and Jude's, a very spiritual woman. And I was sitting in a group and she was leading a meditation and this Hawaiian man showed up. He was a ghost and he started yelling in my ear. Hey, Hey, I know you see me. Hey, I know you can hear me. We need to talk. Hey, Hey, over and over and over. And it was extremely distracting as you might imagine. And so I excused myself and got up and walked outside and he came and sat with me and he started cleansing me and clearing me and singing to me. And I began to sob just because it was a really profound experience, but also really moving. And he taught me a song, which I still know today, a Hawaiian chant. And he taught this to me and he kept giving me his name and I couldn't quite get it. And so I said, can I just call you George? And he said, yes. And he took me for a walk through the property and I was walking barefoot through all this mud, sobbing. And when I came back, my friends at the retreat just looked at me like, what the hell happened to you? And he had explained to me that it was really important that when we walked into the main room, that we treat it as a sacred space. And he had some rules for us where we would stop at the door and be saged and set an intention for the day and that we would all walk in a clockwise circle and then sit down for the ceremony. And I relayed this to my friend who was running the retreat, who was a really powerful spiritual woman, and she really listened to this, and she started putting this in place. And from that moment on, it just ran so well, and everybody connected so well. It really took on a whole different energy. And so throughout the retreat, I taught the song to the people, and we would sing the song. And we were all gathering for the last day, and he stopped me at the door. And he said, you all need to enter in a counterclockwise motion. And I said, all right, dude. So we all entered in a counterclockwise motion and we sat down. And as we were sitting down, he was walking around and addressing each person and whispering in their ear separately. And then he put this large lay of not flowers, but of huge green leaves around each one's neck. And I could smell it. It would smell amazing. And he was going around to one person at a time and he would touch them in different areas on their body and put this lay around their neck. And he went all the way around and I watched him do this and he got to the friend that was running the ceremony. He put the lay around her neck. She took a deep breath and then she said, and now we're done, which was just amazing that even though she didn't see him, she sensed that energy happening there as well. And I was explaining to her that I was surprised that this lay was green leaves and not flowers. And Judy, you might know the answer to this too. And she said that that is a very specific ceremonial practice is to use the blades that are made out of leaves. Are you familiar with that, Jude? Yeah, they make them out of the tea leaves. They're one of the most sacred plants here. They're protection. It's spiritual energy. It's very sacred. It's for ceremonial purposes. It's used widely all over Hawaii. Yeah, see, I had never seen any lace other than lace that they give you at the airport when you get off the airplane. So it was really magical to hear that explanation, that description of what the meaning was, because it really felt that way. And afterwards, another teacher had been sitting next to me, and I was telling her about this, and she said, yeah, he came to me. And I said, no, go bug Patty. Patty can deal with this better than I can. So (laughs) he hopped over her and came to me, but we had a great time. That's awesome. Hawaii is full of spirits. 
full of them. And there are definitely areas that are far more concentrated with spirit energy. But I feel like pretty much anywhere you go on any of the islands, there's bound to be a spirit or an elder or somebody from ancient times still hanging out, watching the land, caretaking. It's just full of spirit energy. So it's one thing to see spirits. It's another thing when you actually experience a spirit that is attached into your auric field. And that is something that happened to me. And I'll share that story with you. I used to live in California and I had a consignment store. And I used to go to garage sales on the weekend and buy a bunch of cool used things and I would bring them into the store and resell them for a profit. So I was in this estate sale and very quickly realized that it was a woman who had died and the family was selling off her things and everything in the house was still set up completely like how she left it. So now I'm in her house with about a dozen people who are fingering through all of her possessions And I very clearly felt and knew that the spirit of the woman who had just passed was not happy that everybody was in her house touching her things and that all of her things were being sold off. There was a lot of sadness and melancholy and distress around all of her things being sold. But I naively decided I'm not going to pass up a good deal and bought a big carload full of this woman's things. And as I was driving away, I very strongly felt that this woman was in the car with me for at least the first mile as I was driving away. And then eventually the feeling of that had died away. I get to my store and I start unpacking everything. And there was this beautiful hat of the woman's and I just unconsciously grabbed the hat and plopped it on top of my head. And the second I did that, I felt this almost lightning bolt strike go through the top of my head and it was actually very painful and I saw a flash of light and I grabbed the hat and I tossed it off. I continued unpacking everything and then by the second, I was getting sicker and sicker and sicker. Like I was feeling nauseated, I felt drained, I felt fatigued and the more time that was going by, the worse it was getting to the point about an hour after the fact that I had put that hat on, everything was starting to get really hazy to me, like everything was moving in slow motion. And I still had not completely put two and two together. I just knew something energetically was seriously wrong. And it just so happened that I was supposed to go meet some friends for a barbecue right after I got out of work. And I hop in my car and I'm driving to their house and I readjust my rear view mirror and I look at my reflection in the mirror and I did not see me. I saw an old lady's eyes looking back at me and it, yeah, and it scared me to death. And I immediately understood what had happened, that the spirit of this woman had traveled with me with all of her possessions. And I had naively put that hat on my head and it gave her an in, an opening to connect right into my energy. So I get over to my friend's house. And luckily, I happened to hang out with a bunch of very spiritual and amazing healers. In fact, this was the same friend that was leading the retreat that Patty was talking about in Hawaii. And I walk in like a spiritual emergency. I bypass the 20 other people that are in there. I A-line it right over to the two people in there that I know can help me. And I said, you need to help me. I have something attached to me. So we go upstairs. We go in the bedroom. And... Essentially, the long and the short of it, remove the spirit of this woman and help her cross over. And immediately, everything cleared up. 
the pain, the nausea, the swirling dizziness went away. I feel like even though I suffered through that a little bit, it was all divine and part of the process of helping this woman cross over to the other side. In fact, a lot of the times I think people pick up spirits and carry them with them to mediums or other people who can connect with those spirits. It's really about getting them to where they need to go. That's amazing. Is that the first time that you'd help somebody cross? Is that what helped you to know how to do that in the future? No, that wasn't the first time, but that was the first time I had one specifically attached into my orc field that I had to help cross, which is a totally different experience. When you see a spirit around you, it's a lot easier to navigate and have a conversation and know what's happening. When they actually attach into your orc field, it's very discombobulating. It's very confusing. It feels like an energetic block. It's hard to think. It's hard to see. It's hard to function when there's a spirit grabbed onto you. And I've had many clients actually that have come to me with spirit attachments and that's exactly what they feel. They just say, everything's off. Nothing's going right. Any way I try to move forward gets messed up, I think, because that they have these kind of lower vibrational energies attached into the auric field. I actually had another similar experience maybe the year after this, and Patty was involved with this one. There was a missing person in the area that I lived in, and I knew this person personally. I didn't know them well, but I knew of them. I had had some conversations with him shortly before he went missing, and he had been missing for a number of months. I think it was a year. And as a medium and knowing this person, I had great concern in his well-being. And I felt very strongly from the get-go that he was no longer living and that he was in spirit form. The intuitive hits I was getting about this man was that he was stuck. And all he would show me was that he was in these bushes and in these trees and he had no idea where he was. Anytime I would try to urge him to move out of that space, He felt very glued to the area that he was at and didn't think that he could move past it for some reason. As much as I tried to get him to move past that spot, he never would. He would kind of hover and wallow in this one area. And I would check in with him every month or so just to see if there was any progress. And still very much so, I saw him hovering in this one spot, looking up the mountainside covered with a lot of greenery. So months down the line, I'm at this point having so much of a conversation with the spirit that he is now in enough clarity to start asking me for help. And he's like, I don't want to be here anymore. I don't know how to get out of here. I need help. Please help me. I had at that point tried everything that I could with my wisdom and knowledge about the spirit realms. And I decided to call Patty and ask her for help. So I called her and I told her nothing. The only thing I said is there's a missing person. Here's this photo. Here's his name. Could you tell me what you would get? And so Patty, you want to take it from here? Yes. I remember most of the details on that. So I did a little meditation on this and I also saw that the man had passed and I was actually given directions on where to find him. And I had told you that his body wasn't very far from where she was located, that she would drive in there would be a fork in the road. And at that fork, she was to turn to the right and she would follow along the river and it would climb in altitude. So there would be a place, a turnover off the side of the road that would just be large enough for one car. And there was a little bit of graffiti on a rock or something there that would help her recognize which one it was. And if you pulled over there and looked over the side, it wouldn't appear to be 
too far of a drop until you really got to the edge and looked over and it was a really sheer, dramatic drop down towards the river. And I could see some type of red flash over the edge. And I also got the hit that this person was in a position where he was looking up at the hillside. So he was lower looking up. So I passed that information on to Jude. Right, which I found to be really intriguing because that was exactly how I saw him was looking up through some bushes and some greenery, but I could never get him to leave that one spot. So Patty tells me this and I'm like, okay, I guess I'm going to go try to find this. This is absolutely crazy. I can't even believe I'm about to do this. And she said, don't worry, spirit will tell you right exactly where to go. She said, just listen, you're going to hear exactly where you need to be. And I was like, okay, I'm going to trust it. I'm just going to do this. So I tell my husband, I'm running to the grocery store to grab milk (laughs) and get in my car. And I know what road she was talking about that I would need to follow to go follow the river. And I remember thinking, there's no fork in the road there. I don't know what she's talking about as I'm driving to this area from my house. I get up to the turn and lo and behold, and let me tell you, Patty does not know this. I lived about an hour away from her and she never came up into my area. I would always go to the coast to see her. And on the corner of the road that follows the river was a bar called The Forks. And the S was missing. And it just said fork. And immediately my heart dropped into my stomach because I was like, oh my God, it's the fork in the road. And so I turn up the highway and I'm following the river. And I remember her saying, you know, it's not very far. And so I'm driving, I'm driving, and I'm looking, and I'm seeing these pull-offs. I'm like, that's a huge pull-off. That could fit five cars. And I'm going, and I'm like trying to listen to my guidance. And I'm cruising along. I'm some ways up the road. And I very clearly hear a very loud voice that says, turn around, you went too far. And so I pull over and I turn my car back around and decide to just pull over at the next shoulder just to see if that's what they meant. And sure enough, the next pull off was just this little space big enough for one car. I open up my door and immediately see that there is spray paint on the road, which Patty said there's some sort of graffiti or something like that, that she had saw some paint. And as soon as I opened my front door, there it was. So now at this point, my heart is beating really hard. And I'm thinking, am I about to find somebody's body? So I look over to the tree line and very slowly start walking towards it because I'm bracing myself. I don't know what I'm about to see. This branch is hovering in the wind And behind the branch, there's a red sign on the tree that you could only see peeking out as the branch was moving back and forth in front of it. Now my heart is jumping out of my throat at that point. Everything Patty said is happening right now. So I get to the edge of the pull-off and sure enough, I look down, bracing myself to think that maybe I might find a body there. And I look down the hill and it's a sheer drop. And I don't see anything. I don't see a person. I don't see a dead body. I don't see anything. And I am at that point completely losing my mind. I run, jump back into my vehicle. I pull out, start driving back home. And I am telling myself over and over again, I will never ever go look for dead bodies. What the hell was I thinking? This is absolutely stupid. 
completely beating myself up. I felt like such a fool, even though it was so validating in every second, I was completely freaked out. And I was mad that a voice had told me to turn around. And I was like, stop talking to me. I don't want to hear any more voices. I'm never listening to voices again. I was just anti, don't want to be psychic anymore. And so I go home and I keep it to myself. I don't tell anybody. I didn't even call Patty and tell her that I actually went and tried to do this thing. In fact, I was just like, I'm going to write off being psychic for the rest of my life. I don't even want to deal with this anymore. So what ends up happening is day two, day three afterwards, I start feeling really sick and I start feeling really low energy and I'm getting a lot of anxiety. And I feel this like impending doom all around me and I can't shake it. And day by day by day, it's getting worse and worse. And I'm on day three of this. And I know that the best thing for me to do is to go lay down and meditate and see what's going on. But I was so spooked out by this experience driving down some random road, trying to find a missing person that... I was fighting the urge to do the meditation. I was like, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. And then there was another voice that was saying, go do the meditation. I fought it and fought it until finally I got to a point where I was like, this is so terrible. This impending doom and this anxiety that I'm under, it was debilitating that I'm just going to do it. I'm going to meditate. So I start at my root chakra and I start moving up through all my chakras and I'm not seeing or feeling anything too intense. And then I get up to my third eye and very clearly I see this big slimy ball of energy around my third eye, this gelatinous blob. And so I'm shocked to see this and I'm like, what is that? Psychically, I work around that third eye and I start peeling this energy off of my third eye. And I mean, it was like sticking on there like gum. And as I peeled it back and I got it loose just enough that all of a sudden it flies off of me and I take this, <gasps> this giant breath and all of a sudden all this clarity and all this light comes to me. And at the same time, I hear the voice of the man that was missing saying, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm free. I can go now. I'm free. Thank you. And I just start sobbing and crying because I'm realizing in that moment that though I did not find said body, whether or not it was there. I do believe wholeheartedly that his spirit was trapped in that spot. And by me actually physically going over to that area and him knowing me and recognizing me, as soon as he saw me, he kind of glommed on to me and held on for dear life. So as those next few days went by and I was falling into a deeper depression of anxiety, I realized that was his energy that I was feeling. And through the meditation, I was able to release him and he was able to cross over. So that was a pretty profound and powerful experience. Yeah, that's uh, intense, but beautiful. Yeah, it was definitely one of the more intense things I experienced with spirit energy. And I have one last story. So this happened, I think this was about three years ago now. I had a client that was a regular client. She came in and saw me and she said, Patty, I've had several really clear, intense dreams about you where I was with my son and we were in line to see the witch 
to do a healing to get my son healed. And we were in Cornwall, England. And I didn't at this time didn't know anything about Cornwall, England. But when she said that word, I just had these goosebumps that kind of flew through me. And she's like, it was just crazy and intense. And when we got up to see the witch, it didn't look like you, but I knew it was you. Like I said, oh, this is Patty, even though it doesn't look like Patty. She said, I knew your energy immediately and how your energy was radiating off and you were doing all these healings for people. And then she called me about a week later and said, I had another one just as clear. And I was told that you grew up in that area and that you were respected witch from your teenage years and you need to go to Cornwall, England. That's just a trip you need to do. And so I started doing some research and reading books and found that Cornwall, England is a really well-known place for witchcraft. And she wasn't aware of that either. So she and I were kind of swapping stories that we had read back and forth with each other. And it was really interesting. And I continued to research it. And then I had another client, a young woman, she stopped and she gave me kind of a funny look and she's like, I'm being told that I'm I'm supposed to tell you this. I'm going on a priestess pilgrimage in England and I'm supposed to share that with you for some reason. And I said, really, where are you going? She said, oh, we're going to Avebury and Glastonbury and Stonehenge. And I said, are you going to Cornwall? And she said, well, here, I just got the itinerary today. And she pulls it up. She's like, oh yeah. And we're spending a day in Cornwall, England. I don't know anything about Cornwall. And the hair just stood up on the back of my neck. And so I ended up signing up for this priestess pilgrimage. And as it got closer to go, I just started feeling really nervous about the time we were going to spend in Cornwall. I just had this odd anxiety about it. And I talked to Jude about it. And Jude said, you're going to meet somebody from your past that's really important there. And so we went to Cornwall and we were able to go down into Merlin's Cave, which is just beneath King Arthur's castle, this really beautiful ruins of this gorgeous castle right on the ocean. And we were down in Merlin's Cave, which is only accessible at low tide. And it's just magical and beautiful. And there's a waterfall that's dripping down the side. And it's this lovely little beach. And we were sitting in the cave and the leader was drumming and we were singing. And as I looked out, I saw this ghost of this young woman that was about 17 years old with this really long red hair, and she was calling me out of the cave. And I pretty much astral traveled out of the cave, and I met her at the mouth of the cave, and she introduced herself as Bridget, and she was giggling and so excited to see me. And I said, do I know you? And she had this like a daisy chain. You know how kids make daisy chains? This chain of these daisies that had been growing all over that area around her neck. And she took it off and she put it around my neck. And I had a raven locket that two friends had given me for the trip. And I took it off and put it around her neck. And she just started laughing and giggling and dancing around and running in circles around the beach. And she came back and she told me that she was me in a past life that I was meeting up with a me from the past and that I had been incarnated into the future. And so I was stunned and she and I kind of walked around. She showed me around the beach and she told me that she had lived there her whole life and that she lived there into old age, but this is the age that she decided to meet me at. And when I was ready to go, I was really sad, but I knew it was time for us to part. And I asked her, you know, how do I meet with you again? How do I get in touch with you? And she kind of giggled and said, we are the same person. We live within each other. We will always be there. Now the store is opened. And just then I heard a drum beat and I woke up and we were in the cave and the leader was drumming right in front of me. And she looked at me and she kind of mouthed, are you okay? And I said, yes. And then after the ceremony, she came up to me and she said, 
I don't know where you were, but you were not in your body. And I was a little worried about you. And I was really happy to see that you returned. And then she said, and I also was told that you met the person that you came here to meet. So that was super magical. And the song that the woman had been playing that everybody had been singing to while I was traveling, the words, and I can't remember exactly, were something like, you are here to remember who you are, which was really profound too. So far out. Amazing. It was super far out. It was a really magical, amazing trip. And I would just like to note that Patty is one of these magical beings that is able to communicate with different versions of herself in other lifetimes. Well, thank you, Judah. I didn't know that was possible. And you helped me with that one, deciphering a lot. I didn't know it was possible either, but I think that was the first of a few for you, right? Yes, definitely. So for my final story, I want to share one and there is a lesson to be learned in it when it comes to smudging and saging and clearing out your house to make sure to get every nook and cranny. And so this is the story about how I learned that. A number of years ago, Patty had called me and she said she had an emergency situation with a client that had a very scary and frightening experience that had happened in the middle of the night. And Patty didn't feel equipped to deal with it. And because I am the lady of the darkness, she decided (laughs) I should be the one. (laughs) Yes. I text messaged the person and it would take me about an hour to get to their house. And she was so desperate for any kind of help. She said, yes, I'll be here. Here's the address. Come and meet me. So I get in my car and I start driving that way. And I told her before I had left, the only thing that I need is for the house to be empty. Because if there's a lot of people in the house and there's other energies moving around, I can't get a clean read. I'm driving there and I'm checking in with my spirit guides and asking, what do I need to do to prepare for this? Should I stop and get some holy water? Like, what am I, you know, I'll take anything at this point. Just let me know what I'm about to step into. And they said, don't worry, you'll understand better when you get there. And I said, are you going to help me with whatever it is I'm about to encounter? And they said, we're already working on it. So I found this to be interesting. And though I asked three, four, five, six times on the hour drive there, they always came back with those exact same messages. So I show up at the woman's house and I walk into this very beautiful house. And here's this woman, small and petite, sitting in the kitchen and she looks very pale and very frightened. And I walk into this very beautiful, serene house with clean energy. And I said, okay, so what's going on and how can I help you? I said, why don't you give me a tour of the house? So she walks me through the house, through the living room, the dining room, the kitchen. I'm looking real hard psychically for everything and anything that I can. And she brings me into the master bedroom, which was on the far end of the house, and says, this is where it happened. And she tells me that a number of months ago, this anomaly had showed up on the wall that looked like a man's face with a pig snout and two horns. And she had a photograph of it. And let me tell you, it was by no stretch of the imagination exactly that. Patty, you actually saw that photograph too, didn't you? Yeah, I think that's when I decided to hand it over to you. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, nope. (laughs) You had me at horns. I know who can help you. (laughs) 
Okay, but I'm telling you, this face was like undeniably the face with the pig's nose and the horns. And anyway, she said it showed up. She tried scrubbing it off the wall. She couldn't get it to disappear. Eventually had to paint it over. Shortly after that image had showed up, all of this weird activity was happening surrounding their bedroom. And her dog would be also reacting, growling, barking at things that weren't there in the middle of the night. She would hear noises, footsteps, knocks in the room, activity that started building up that had never been there before. And they had lived in that house for a number of years. Well, the night before, she said that the dog started growling. So she woke up went into the master bathroom to take a look and there was nothing in there. And when she turned around, her boyfriend was hanging off the bed in a very peculiar and unnatural way. It's the best way that I can remember her describing it. That she had gotten up, walked to the bathroom, and not even a few seconds later, she turns around and her partner is half hanging off the bed. She has no explanation for it and it scared her. So they woke up packed their things, left the house. And as I was showing up the next day, that was her first time being back in the house since the evening before. So this is quite an extraordinary story. And I'm sitting there in her bedroom, looking around, feeling around. And I'm going to be honest, I didn't feel anything. I didn't feel any darkness, no shadows, no movements, nothing. So I told her, why don't you just go back into the kitchen and I'm going to just take a walk around the house by myself without you and see if I pick up anything. So I start moving through the house. I'm going in all the rooms that she's showing me. I'm feeling into everything and I'm not getting anything. I'm going into the bedroom. I'm in the bathroom. I'm like touching the wall where the face showed up and I'm not picking up anything. And I'm kind of feeling a little bit bad. I drove all this way and I'm not going to tell her I saw something that I didn't. In fact, if anything, I feel like the energy feels pretty clear and good in the house. So I'm asking my spirit guides, is there something in here or is there not? And I hear it's hiding. And I was like, okay. And I'm like, well, I've been in every room in the house, but there were these two doors in the hallway that I assumed when we walked by were linen closets or like a laundry closet. So I'm going back through and I open up the first one and it's a linen closet. And I'm like, okay, there's nothing in here. And I go to the second door and I open it up and immediately I get attacked, just like in that first story where something just jumps up at me and starts pushing me back through the doorway. My heart starts beating out of my chest and I am freaking scared because I was not expecting it. Not only that, it was an actual bedroom, a bedroom that somehow she did not show me as she was taking me the tour through the house. As I open the door and I'm getting attacked, I say to her, I found it. And at the same time, I hear her in the kitchen say, don't go in there. And I kind of run over into the kitchen because I'm so startled and scared. And at the same time, like, what do you mean don't go in there? I'm here to hunt some ghosts. So why wouldn't I be allowed to go in that room? I said, well, whatever is bothering you is in that room. And I look at her face and it was like this light bulb had gone off. And I see her just kind of like, oh my God, this absolutely makes sense. And I can't believe I didn't see it until then. I said, well, hold on. I'm going to go in there and see what's going on. So I go back into the room. I can see and feel and hear all the residual energy of the person who inhabits that room. And I can tell you this person is incredibly negative, very hateful. 
super depressed, angry. I could just hear cussing words and hateful verbiage being said over and over again in there. And that this person, whoever inhabited the room to me was such a vortex of negative energy that he had actually created like a rip in dimensions that these dark entities were able to come out. By his closet, I saw this portal that was open and not only was it one entity, it was many entities. I mean, it was just full of entities. And I walk back out and I go into the kitchen and I'm like, well, whoever lives in that room is probably one of the most negative beings that I've ever experienced vibrationally. And they created a portal to a darker dimension and whatever is attacking you to me is attacking you because this man does not like. I don't think it's intentional or conscious. I don't think he even really knows that he's got entities that will work for him, but his hatred towards you in my intuitive sense is why these entities are coming over and attacking you in the middle of the night. And she was like, this makes absolute and total sense. And then she shares with me that that room belongs to her roommate. And her roommate is one of the most negative, hateful, depressed people she's ever known. The only reason he lived with her was because her boyfriend and him had been childhood friends. She didn't care living with him, didn't want him in the home, but felt like she didn't have a choice. What happened was after she had been getting attacked and she was talking about it, he would start freaking out and saying, there's no such thing. That's all crazy talk. There's no such thing as demons or entities. And they would get in these large fights about this traumatizing spiritual experience that they were having in the middle of the night. So what ends up happening is she comes back to the house that day and the roommate is there and she tells them there's a psychic on the way could you please leave for an hour while she looks through the house? And he gets really pissed off about it and just like, I don't believe in psychics. That's all hogwash. I am not agreeing to having a psychic walk through the house. And he was saying, well, she's definitely not coming in my room and I don't want anything to do with this. And she said, well, fine, if you're going to stay, could you please just stay in your room so she can look through the house? Because that's what she requested was for it to be empty. So he reluctantly agreed. And she said about five minutes before I showed up, his friends had come over and she was like, what are you doing? I just told you a psychic is coming and she needs the house to be empty. And I guess he ended up yelling at her, you know, screw this, screw that. And I'm using nice words. This is my house. You can't tell me I can't have friends over, so on and so forth. It ends up exploding into a yelling match where there are a lot of harsh words were said. And he ends up storming out of the house with his friends, getting in the car. And I'm pretty sure that was the car that passed me as I was pulling into her driveway. So I had no idea any of this stuff had happened. And it made sense to me when my spirit guides had told me they're working on it was had that man been in the house when I had went there to look, I would have never been able to walk in his room and find it. I would have walked through the entire house and the places I was allotted and would have left saying, house is clear, feels great, don't know what to do and leave and not been able to help anything. So that's how spirit was working on it in the meantime while you were on your way there. Right. Yeah. That was how spirit was working on it and, and got the house empty so I was able to actually walk in his room. And so then I say to her, let me guess, you probably sage and cedar and palo santo and salt this entire house, don't you? She said, yep, every bit of it. I said, let me guess, except for his room. She says, nope, never in his room. I'm not allowed in his room. (laughs) 
And I was validating for her. I'm like, you know, your house has very lovely energy and the saging and the intention of clearing the space of negative energy works because I can feel it all over your house. But as long as you keep that man as a roommate, you're going to have to keep the maintenance of keeping his energies and entities out of your face. And the only solution that I saw for her was to get him out of the house or move. And I'm pretty sure that's what ended up happening. Yeah. You're amazing, Jude. That's crazy. I just would like to pat myself on the back for being intuitive enough to give it to you and not go myself. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Hey, if I, you know, horns, I get it. I would probably not have fully volunteered to go do that had I known that. Well, this was so fun. I feel like Jude and I could probably do several podcasts with just ghost stories. And she and I have channeling stories and other ghost stories and alien stories and magical stories. If you have something profound like this happen to you, write it down. It's so lovely to be able to go back and get all the details out of a journal and be able to revisit these magical times. You can find information on me on my website, which is Wing and Ether, spelled A E T H E R.com or P Davispsychic.com. This has been a lot of fun diving into these old spooky stories and sharing with you. I hope you didn't get too scared, or maybe that was validating for some of the things that some of you may have experienced in terms of seeing spirits. My website is Align and Shine Kauai, K-A-U-A-I dot com. Yes, and happy Halloween and happy All Hallows Eve. Happy Dia de los Muertos and happy Zawin. And we will talk to you soon. Thank you for joining us. Aloha. Aloha.